When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the House of Pot. I'm Kaveh. And I'm Lizzie. And if this is your first time listening, we're a medical... Sort of. ...podcast where we try to discuss medicine and health in a relatable way. And we will answer questions you may not feel comfortable asking your doctor and definitely won't bring up to your friends. And on today's show, we have Michael Kaplan from the podcast Lost in America. He's going to talk to us about what it's like to be a 41-year-old who was just diagnosed and treated for a very serious heart attack. Stay tuned. The opinions on this podcast are broadcasted for educational and informational purposes only and do not represent the opinions of our employers. These opinions are not intended as a diagnosis, treatment, or as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a local physician or other healthcare professional for your specific healthcare and or medical needs or concerns. Welcome back to the House of Pod. I'm Kaveh. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Joe. Guys, how are we? Very good. Pretty darn good. Whoa. I mean, honestly, I'm not that good. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I'm fine, really. But um, I had I had this like minor surgery uh, just last week, and um, it's like on this weird body part thing. You can't get herpes removed surgically. No. Yeah, Joe. Um, I just, I feel like everybody has like a weird body part thing that they don't talk about. Like some people pick at like that thing on their lips. Some people pick at like, some people twirl their hair and rip off their loose end, their split ends. And like, I had this weird ear thing and it's just called like a sinus tract that like didn't close up. It's not really interesting or sexy and I wish it was cooler, but it was just bothering me to the point where I had to see an ENT doctor, ear, nose and throat. And you know, apparently it's only in pediatric population. So I had to see a pediatric ENT doctor. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's not the joke. That's great though. It's like your emotional, like they, they check your emotional level and they're like, uh, pediatrics. Right, exactly. It was not based on anatomy. It was totally based on my emotional EQ or whatever. So I had this thing and it was taken out and it was like, it ended up being like real surgery. I didn't think it would end up being so sort of involved like general anesthesia like I was what? down I was down I had no idea I know and it, like they removed this huge thing that I probably should post up um because obviously I looked at my chart and copied the image and <laughs> I'm not sure if we should keep <laughs> this sure. in we might have to cut this but I might post it on like our podcast website house of pod um and it's like this huge thing it's like a centimeter big she holds it up next to the ruler and is like it's this big thing and I'm like oh my god that came out of me I think there's brains in it so anyway so that happened and now I'm on like antibiotics and stuff and it's awesome. But, um, the thing is, is that my, my boyfriend Tyler had to pick me up, um, cause the surgery ended up going sort of late and he picked me up and I didn't realize that when he left or when I left, I would need to leave with antibiotics and narcotics. And this is like maybe a test of like a relationship because when I was unconscious in the recovery room, he was told to go to the pharmacy and pick up said antibiotics and narcotics. So when he went to the window, they're like, what's her full name? So like, he needs to know my middle name. What's her birthday? He needs to know my birthday. What's her address? Like I did not prepare this man for this endeavor. Yeah. Wow. So I'm like the fact that he returned to me with antibiotics <laughs> All of them or and narcotics, <laughs> I feel like we made it to like that and, next step. And none of the narcotics were missing. I that's, I don't know because wow, my, First of all, he left that building scot-free with a bunch of narcotics. I don't want to comment on like well, yeah, how, how that, that works, happened, right. but that just happened. And I don't know if there's any pills missing because I haven't taken them because I am terrified, not of addiction, but of constipation. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm looking at your ear now. Uh, it's not that impressive. You can barely is, tell. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a small Frankenstein looking scar there on your yeah. ear, but not impressive. But the point is, Tyler passed the test yeah. and got away with a bunch of narcotics. That's great. Well, good probably, for you, boyfriend. Probably for free. I'm just still kind of shocked that you had to be under general for that. I, I thought that would be local. They just numb up the area and get in there, get it out. I think it's because it's like near my facial nerve. And and I also wanted to You're take right. this opportunity to ask you guys, what's your weird body thing? Because everyone's got something, no? I'm not sure if something like that. Like a light? No. Like a lipoma. I have a weird body, but I don't know if Very. I have a weird body thing. Right. Yeah. You know? There's, doesn't everyone have something that they're like, don't want to talk about? Like my sister has this crust behind her ear that like, you know, uh, I, don't know. I, don't think so. I think it's just you. My yeah. penis is a little small, but that's <laughs> a little self-conscious. I wish about you had just said big and then we could have no, been like, it's, it's girthy. It's tuna it's can. Girthy. It's like they call them Coke can um, Joe back in high school. CCJ. We're going to have to cut this. I think. <laughs> Joe, you don't want to be public about it. I honestly don't have a, body part that I can think of off the top of my head other than my small penis honestly I've I seen, have, okay it, wait it's okay, I'm not sure we're going to keep this <laughs> I've been but, told it's, but it's not small you know how I know because yeah, remember inches. that's a good that's five, above five average quarters, is it if for your guy your size and height, that's pretty good erect. and I'm not sure if these guys are fucking with me no hold on this is this is probably not going to make it but here's the truth because uh, this is what guys do at least they did I don't know if we all measure are better but everyone measured everyone in, oh, in our sure. group measured and Joe was not at the bottom of that list. Joe was not. You were up. You were higher up on that list. Here is the truth. Women know that men measure. Yeah. And we all know that size doesn't matter. Like 100,000 really? percent. I did not know that. I've, I've, I've heard, heard never girls heard tell me it. that they love the big dick. That's because but that's, that's, that's bedroom talk. Saying it, they're like, I don't want a big dick because it hurts. So I don't know which is true. 
I don't know about hurting, um, but I've never heard any female friend, and I think I have five or six very close female friends. She knows five women. I mean, I know like dozens, but not all of them are going to tell me about their sex life. Keep going. Um, No one's ever been like, I love a big dick. Woohoo! Do you you think? Okay, hold on. I'm I'm serious. I'm not making you feel better. Do you think that does make me feel better? Let me ask you a question. I'm not disagreeing with that. I I think I've always heard the same thing, which is like you know, I think women are more uh, interested in how guys use it. Although, I, I think I have heard that girth is more important than length. So if they were to count one thing, it would be that. But do you think a girl would feel self-conscious about saying that? Like, I want a big dick? Yeah. Do you feel like she would feel yeah, because, like, kind of like... Because someone would be like, wait, you want a big dick? Or you want to- right. You want to have one? Wait. No. <laughs> yeah. Like, do, you, do you feel like a girl would feel um, comfortable saying that? Or do you feel like she would be looked at like kind of like, oh, wow, this, is, this, is, uh, this girl gets around a lot. Um, maybe when we were 20, but now that we're around 40, I don't think that, um, people in my life are that self-conscious about, you know, a lot of them have been married years, you know, a couple of my friends over 10 years. And I just don't think people care anymore about that. You know, I think that people are over it and they're just trying to make sex sort of fun with someone they've been doing it with for a decade or more. And people, I don't think mince words about it that much. I think talking about, um, I think sex toys and stuff is a little taboo still. Um, and I think that if that if you are self-conscious about that, I think being confident and like we could talk to Jennifer Gunter about bringing things into the bedroom that are not just your body, yeah. I think is like a, a great idea. I don't and know, Kave, I don't know of any good sex toys for men. A lot for women. No, no, there no. We're not thing. working on getting you no, off. No, we're working on you pleasing I know, I know. a woman no, no, actually, if you're insecure. That's a good question, though. There is something called the fleshlight. And it's like, it, it's called that because it looks like a flashlight. It's a big cylinder and you, you like, I think it looks like a flashlight maybe. And then you take off the top. I think and, it looks like flesh. And then inside it's like, uh, like fleshy, I guess. Actually, I I'm, I'm talking like, I don't know exactly. Yeah, like I don't have right. like five of them at home, but like, uh, no. And then, and I, then you put your penis into that and you basically use that. To, oh, it's like an enhancer type yeah. thing. I've never no, I, I think it's like a fake vagina basically. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying that's, then that's you put it on cr- yourself no, then and then no, into no. a woman. Oh, no, no. I oh. think that would be dangerous. Yeah. And also not as much fun for you, the man. Yeah. No, Wait, so you're telling. So I'm saying pe- there, there is, I think there are some women. sex toys for guys, but I don't think it. Yeah. There's nothing. Oh, I wasn't nothing. thinking There's at so all about how stuff. to please a man. There's, not even for one. I know. One. Well, that's where we're going. That's where we're going. Wait, no, <laughs> he's not we, considered how to please a man. Not once. But we are talking about how you were feeling sort of insecure. And I thought I was trying to give you ideas about how to make yourself feel less, um, sort of stage performance anxiety. Like if you're going to do other stuff with hands or toys or whatever, then that takes some of the heat off of you. I don't have performance anxiety. I have size anxiety. No, I understand, but I feel like those are related. If you're having size anxiety, how do you perform? You know, it, that's it's about confidence. It's about yeah. showing, and whether it's big or small, like being excited about the woman is often all I think a woman needs, you know? Correct. In addition to foreplay. <laughs> Yeah, well, that went away. I did not expect it to. Um, we were talking about my surgery <laughs> and anesthesia. Your to this, but it's great. Hey, let's keep it. I don't want to know how we transition from my ear to sex. So yeah, we, uh, you know what? Who cares about transitions it's anymore? It's a hole. I don't. So um, body parts. You're before body parts. Before we break and we go to our interview, uh, let me just ask you: Do you guys have anything you want to plug for yourself or for anyone else? 
Um, we are about to interview Michael Kaplan, who has a podcast, Lost in America, with his friend Turner Sparks. And we're going to interview him about being a 41-year-old who has a heart attack, like a real deal heart attack, not just a little bit of chest pain, guru type thing, but the real deal. And we'll talk to him about what that's like to have that at such a young age. Um, I'll uh, let me see. I have nothing of our own. We have no shows coming up, Joe. But I'll I'll uh, I think I should plug some of our friends because we have some really talented sure. friends, and they need some plugging. Well, they don't need it, but I need to do it for them. So uh, here's the first guy I'll plug: uh, Joe Sparrow. He is a great musician down in L.A. If you get the chance to hear him live, please do. But you can find him on Spotify, Apple Music. He is dropping a bunch of singles every month until July. I really love his music. We've always loved playing with him back in the day. Joe Sparrow, check him out. And on that note, we'll uh, go to break, come back with Michael Kaplan, whose show is called Lost in America. You can find it at lostinamericapod.com or pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. So on the show today, we have Michael Kaplan, a co-host of a podcast, Lost in America, um, who at age 41, not the healthiest guy and absolutely not the unhealthiest guy, had a heart attack just a few weeks ago, and he's kind enough to be on our show and tell his story. Thank you for coming on, Kaplan. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm seeing the perks of having a heart attack that I'm getting uh, getting on your podcast. Very exciting. <laughs> so many. And this is just one of many, I'm sure. Although I didn't know you were going to say I wasn't the healthiest guy, because I think I'm the healthiest guy who's ever had a heart attack, in my opinion. But yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, that's actually you know why we want to talk to you because clearly it's it's shocking to people when they hear that. When you tell people that you had a heart attack at 41, what's the first thing they say? Yeah, people are exactly the first thing they say is they're like they think I'm joking, and then they want to hear the story, and then their heads start turning to themselves, and they're like, oh, I should go to the doctor, or I should. Right. Because everyone's in a panic. They're like, if it can happen to you, it can happen to me. So, like, I've, I know, like, at least, uh, like, I probably know a half dozen to maybe more people who have gone to the doctor or going to the doctor, like, really soon <laughs> to have tests right, and everything. Right. That's a great so outcome. Everyone's, everyone's finding a cardiologist now, so it's been, I've been helping the business. I mean, I think you're going to overwhelm the cardiology, the field of cardiology. I think the first great step is maybe going to a primary care doctor. And if you get some people to go, that's um, that's a good service. I mean, you should take credit. Where your heart due. attack was worth it then. Totally worth yeah, it. Yeah, exa exactly. I'm here to help your, 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 your business. I know it's tough out there for you, the doctors. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I mean, why don't you can you tell us about what happened? So I know you were skiing with your family. Yeah, I, I had a, a good stay of skiing on the day, the day before this all happened. I was totally normal, totally fine. Uh, went swimming that night, hot tub, uh, went out with the family, have two kids, and um, played Twister that night, no injuries. And then I went to sleep, and I woke up uh, about 5.30 in the morning with, um, it felt almost like heartburn is what it, you know, I thought I had. Um, but I just, I couldn't go back to sleep and then I went to the bathroom and then I threw up. That's how this began. And then I went back to sleep after that. And then I woke up about an hour later. Um, I threw up again. This started to happen for about, um, overall this happened for about five, five or six hours, I want to say. 
um, I would say in about hour three or four, I started to get sh- very short of breath. And that's when I thought, oh, because I thought I had food poisoning. That's, that's how this, you know, I really thought, oh my God, I've never had food poisoning. I always joke about, I've never had food poisoning, that I, my stomach's invincible and I jinxed it. Um, so I thought I had food poisoning. But then when I started getting short of breath, I thought, started to think maybe this is something else. But I just could not move from the, from the hotel. I was so in such like agony. So it took me until I really, really had like thrown up everything until we finally got went to urgent care, and um, they gave me an EKG when I when they when I said mentioned something about being short of breath, and then that's when it dawned on everyone that you might be having a heart attack. But you never had chest pain. You just had like nausea, vomiting, shortness of breath. Yeah, I did have chest pain. Everyone's always like, "Oh, is your arm hurting?" That's like the thing that all the laymen have heard about. Your arm hurts, or yeah, your left. Said, arm. No, my arm didn't hurt. My back did hurt, but I thought that was from. Uh, carrying uh you know two kids and myself skis and boot bags around all day the day before yeah um so apparently that was part of it but yeah so i you know and even um at urgent care they weren't sure but they you know they they didn't look good on the ekg so they put me in a you know they put me in an uh, an ambulance and sent me to the hospital and that's where they confirmed that i was in fact having a heart attack so when they were doing all the when they were doing all these tests and they're working up the mi are you like googling heart attack are you like calling people you know there are doctors what are you doing at that point uh what's mi what is- <laughs> yeah <laughs> right heart attack right oh uh, okay that's, yeah that's myocardial no, infarction yep they put me in an ambulance really fast and i didn't have a chance to tell anybody to do anything i was just sort of like trying to stay calm the the nurse said or the the paramedic said um you know the most important thing is to stay calm so i just chatted with her and it wasn't so when i got to the emer- the, the hospital and they confirmed I was having a heart attack, and they said, um, "You know, that's the good. You know, the good news is we're on top of it. The bad news is, is that we need to. Uh, we can't. You need a, a, a stent, and we don't. We can't do that here. We need to get you another hospital." Um, and then they gave me um, they gave me morphine or fentanyl. For, uh, yeah, they gave, they gave me some painkillers. And at this point, and they just sort of let me sit there while they were like, you know, getting everything together. And at this point, I started uh, texting people. And just, uh, I, I didn't really want to Google things. I was sort of, I was sort of trusting these doctors knew what they were talking about. I didn't know what I, I didn't know what I could look up exactly. Yeah. Um, at this, at this point I, I had, they didn't really have a choice. Like I couldn't be like, you know what? I'm going to get a second opinion. Right. Um, I heard that so, sort of in their hands. So I trusted them. That's uh, good. Instead of fighting and advocating for yourself and asking a million questions, you just enjoyed the fentanyl and started texting jokes to your friends. That's it yes. sounds like that's the, the take home from your experience. That was t- fentanyl is a fantastic drug. I, yeah. I'm not saying I'm, rec- I'm recommending it, but I can see, yeah. I can see the appeal. Yeah. I was very lucid. I felt good. I was, yeah, I was really, uh, te- te- I was texting well. I was, and my texting game was high. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, that, so it was, yeah, the, basically they were going to, they came over to me and they said, we're going to get you a chopper because there's a, the nearest hospital is, is not that close. And then they came over to me to tell me, oh, yeah, it's snowing out. We can't get you a chopper. So this doctor basically is like, you're going to lose the golden hour. You're not going to make it, but um, it'll be okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> not reassuring, right? So is that a real thing? Is that like this whole – because everyone's like the yeah. first hour is important, but I don't know. It is. It's I, called door-to-cath time and it's really – or door-to-balloon time. And it is it is like proven that you want to open up the artery in the heart as quickly as possible. And this is why Kaveh and I chose GI because there's no door-to-butt time. That's what I told my friends. Right. You know, why would you choose GI? Like – I can get to the hospital, and I, but I have two, three, four hours. The cardiologists who are opening up hearts, opening up arteries in the heart, they have like 90 minutes. They got to 
they got to put that stent in. So, so you didn't want to be bothered on weekends to have to get there fast. Exactly. Uh, we're still bothered. <laughs> we're still bothered. But listen. So, um, what happened next? What happened at this point? Actually, two questions. First, what are the doctors saying about your age in relation? Are people like, are you doing drugs? Are you on cocaine, etc.? And then tell us what happened next when you couldn't get the chopper. Well, it's funny I, when I when I was at the urgent care and I sort of like as I mentioned, I kind of went numb and everything. That was like the, the real surreal moment when I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I was trying to process that I was having a heart attack. I heard the the uh, people outside say something about like, "Oh, co- drugs." Ask them about cocaine, and I was sort of flummoxed as I was on a family vacation um, with uh, and you a only, six-year-old and a four-year-old. And you only do that when you're not on vacation. I get exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. But. Uh, <laughs> No, haven't done that in years. So I, so I, when I got into the uh, ambulance, the um, the paramedic, she it was actually the person who who had said it. She apologized to me and she said, "Oh, she thought they said I was 21, and I don't look 41. <laughs> so the only way a 21 year old was having a heart attack is most likely drugs. Um, but I guess 41 year olds, you know, it, it's it's possible to have it without drugs. I mean, it's still uh, really young." So, so tell us what happened then. So you were, you were told that they can't get a chopper. You're told that the, the golden hour is passing by and you'll probably be fine. What, what happens yeah. next? <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm just, they're checking on me a lot and they keep coming. They keep telling me how important it is I get going, but it really took a while for an ambulance to get there. Um, but, uh, they did finally get me in an ambulance and you know, the, my wife was with me and she had to go, she had been with me. She had followed the ambulance and the urgent care to the hospital but then she had to leave because our kids were in ski school. Mm. So it was a whole, it was like a very, I was trying to like stay relaxed, and, but I was very nervous because she doesn't drive ever. <laughs> so this wow. was a whole. Much less so anyway, snow. Yeah. Much less speed down highways in the snow um, while your husband's having a heart attack. Yeah. Um, but, but so they put me eventually in an ambulance. Um, and it's an interesting thing when you go in the ambulance, you don't like, there's no, you're in like a, a gown at this point and you go outside. They haven't perfected any way to keep you warm this whole time. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, they always, they warn you. And you're like, you know what? I'm having a heart attack. I don't want to slow the process down. So just throw me in. But, right. um, and then they drove me, it was about a 45 minute drive. Um, I finally looked it up yesterday for the first time in like five weeks of this happening of looking up what the route they took probably was. But, um, it's about a 45 minute drive to Dartmouth Hitchcock hospitals where I went. Um, I don't know if you know anybody there, but, um, very, very, and we get, so we, we drive, um, they're just talking to me the whole time, keeping me, you know, trying to keep me, I guess, I don't know, in a good place. Is that what they're supposed to do that or? Sure. Yeah. Are they supposed to? Yeah, yeah. Keep you calm. That's an important part of, they're always going to be, I'm sure they were telling you how important it is to stay calm during that process, which is, I'm sure super difficult to do. I've never thought yeah. about what the EMT folks, paramedics do in an ambulance. If there's like downtime or a commute, I've actually never once for the life of me thought about like what you're supposed to do, you know, let the person yeah. like Google what an MI slash heart attack is, or just be like chatty, you know? Yeah. She was, they were pretty chatty. Uh, I think maybe they were, I mean, I was chatting back because I don't want to be rude. Um, <laughs> I wanted them to like me. Maybe it'll help to like move things along. Right. So, um, I mean, I did think it was weird as we got off the exit. Uh, she's like, this is a really excellent steakhouse we're going by. Um, like Jacqueline's it was called or something. <laughs> she's just running out of stuff to talk about at I, that point. <laughs> I, I really think it's odd to recommend steakhouses to anybody who's in an ambulance, but especially if you're in a heart attack. Yeah. Right. It seems, uh, so I was telling everyone who visited me to check out the steakhouse. I would like to vicariously found out, but I never found out how it was. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so we get to the ambulance and 
she keeps saying like, oh, there'll be people there to greet us. Um, I've never in my life been an ambulance. I've been very lucky. So I don't know the protocol when you burst into a hospital, but, um, we get there and it's like, we go in, I don't know if they went through the wrong entrance or what, but there was nobody there. Like it's totally empty. Mm -hmm. And they were, I mean, you think like the move would be to, I don't know, wait or try to find somebody and stay still, but they just decided they were very, uh, you know, proactive. And they said, we've been here before. We, I didn't know where the cardiac lab was. So they're just like roaming the halls in this hospital. I, I guess all hospitals are big, but compared to New York City hospitals, which is my experience with having two kids, uh, this hospital was like the most massive hospital I've ever been in. And um, I don't know. We I just seemed, it felt like this is precious time. Like, what are we? We should this be important. And they were like roaming the halls and no idea where they were going. Right. She uh, knows where we, the steakhouse so, is, but didn't know where yeah. the cath lab was. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So eventually, we did find somebody who pointed us in the right direction, and we made it. And when we got to the room. It was just like a team of doctors and they were like, oh, Mr. Catherine, we'll be waiting for you. Um, so they were ready. That was the good news. Yeah. So you had the, it's called a an angiogram or a cardiac cath is what you had. Yeah, cardiac cath. Yep. That's what they were kept saying. This is the good, you know, cardiac cath center. And I, you know, I was on my phone. I got a text from a, like an aunt or an uncle who sent me like a U.S. news review of the uh, hospital. <laughs> like how it was. And I was, I thought it was hilarious because like what? Like, did I have a choice of that? It's like, you know, <laughs> it's like if someone's going on death row and this is their last meal, like, you don't be like, oh, I wouldn't have gotten that. Like, right. I had, I was done. I had no. Right. I want the here. steak like, from a different steakhouse. Right. Yeah. I had like to sort of have confidence that these people were good and it was, you know, so, um, and then even later, some, my, I think it was probably the same relative told me that they found out that this was the, the person who operated on me was the supposedly the best one there the most experienced but like again like what was the who cares at this right. point? so tell but, us um, about the uh, cardiac catheterization that you got what was that like do you remember yeah it? yeah i remember it because you're awake um and you know it's very surreal because they give you the you know the i guess the anesthesia that makes you numb like you're getting your wisdom teeth out or something but you don't, you don't go to sleep and then you had to move your body a certain way and stay very still they said and i'm really bad i have spilkis as they say in yiddish but i i, I rallied my ADHD, everything. I just was like, I'm going to stay still for this moment. Um, and, um, it's like, you can see, you can't feel anything, but you see like there's monitors above you sort of to the left. So you can see like your heart, you see, I mean, you don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't Google it. So I didn't know what you're supposed to be doing. Like, yeah. I don't know if it was going well. And they didn't, they didn't explain it to you. You were just sort of watching. I mean, they explained exactly what they were going to do, and they had yeah. me sign something at some point a couple times. Yeah. You know? But you, you <laughs> want them focusing on their, their thing. I'm sure you were just like, just guys, just do your thing. Don't worry about me. Worry about me, but don't talk to me. Just do your thing and make sure yeah. you do a great job. Yeah, I'm very like – I mean, I my father's a – he's a foot doctor, a podiatrist, you know. But, you know, I I've, uh, I always trust doctors usually. You know, I come from a, my – I don't know it's my, how my family is. So I'm not like asking a thousand questions ever. Um, unless yeah. it seems like something pertinent, sure. but, um, but yeah, they explained it to me, the stent's going to go through your wrist, which was, you know, in the, on the way ambulance over, she had said that they might have to go through my groin, which is a longer recovery. I should try to ask for the wrist, but they, they just did the wrist. Um, and it goes up and they, you know, they do this, uh, balloon. It's basically, you know, clear space. And it's like, that sounds cool. All right, let's do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, uh, so I can't really see, like, I, I thought I'd see the balloon on the screen. I didn't really see that. I was a little um, disappointed. Unless they're um, showing it to you, I think it's pro it's really hard to see that stuff, you know? Um, and they ended up putting yeah. in one stent, you said? or They put in one stent, um, and I didn't know when it was done, too, because the, the, the paramedic in me, it seemed like she said her 
she had she had experience with family members having heart attacks, and she said like the second they were like done, I would feel this release and I'd feel all better basically. But that didn't happen for me, so I was just like, "Oh, you're done, okay." And then I, you know, I threw up once. I was a little, but other than that, I felt a little better mentally, but I didn't actually feel any better. I still felt pain. Yeah. Um, but they said I was good. They started. They know they gave me some medications, and they gave me my uh, pee urinal, which was like my best friend all week. The mm-hmm. thing you got, the, the cup you got to pee in all week. The urinal, yeah. yeah. They were like, it's important that you try to, there was a, re- I forget what it was. There was a reason why I had to pee before I, I was good. If I peed then before I left the room, I don't, I mean, they made a test. I don't know. So that, <laughs> well, was, for women, that was the big, for women, it's yeah. testing for pregnancy. They were, they were checking to see if you were pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. They, Not for you. I, I guess that was it. I yeah. think they probably just didn't want you <laughs> to maybe pee yourself if the procedure went really long. I, I mean, yeah. That's, or maybe that's it was like case. they gave me a medication that makes you pee and they, I, I forget, maybe that's what it was. Like yeah. They, yeah. Or they something. giving they, you a diuretic called laces. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. I think you're right. And then I, I, so as the week went on, like that first time I like could not, there was like two uh, nurses with me and I just like was there and I was like, I was like in an empty hallway, basically made them leave me alone. And it took me like 10 minutes and I finally peed. And then as the days went on, it was like I just needed privacy, privacy, and then like I couldn't pee. And then like as the days went on, I was like a homeless guy. I just was like, or whatever. I don't care if someone in the room. I'll just pee. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> we broke you. I, I, yeah, they broke me. It totally. I had no pride anymore. So it was. So uh, it Joe was, here has a question for you. Yeah, Michael. Right. A very interesting story. You know, I'm 42 years old, so I'm like listening to every single word you're saying. And Joe is terrified. I'm terrified. Yeah, you're too, man. You're playing with house money at this point. <laughs> I guess so. Borrow time. (laughs) My question that I'm just dying to hear is, why did you have the heart attack? How did you have the heart attack? What did the doctors tell you was the reasoning or root cause? Tell us why. Why did you do this? The devil was like, you could have a heart attack age 41. (laughs) Um, You know, I haven't. It's weird. I I love my uh, cardiologist in the city. I think he's great, but he's very like clinical and just like, I, I don't know. He doesn't go into like, he doesn't go off. He never like just says things like why he thinks I had a heart attack. He doesn't speculate at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I ask him, he sort of doesn't give me an answer. So I don't know. I guess nobody knows. I, I assume part of it's genetic and part of it's, um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I, mean, I was yeah, a little it's, it's overweight a, at the time, I guess. It's I wasn't a prob- hugely overweight. But. It's definitely both. I mean, there's some component of genetics and there's some component of environment. You are... I mean, we're looking at you via FaceTime and you certainly don't look no. like the kind of guy that we would expect to have that problem. And you're not doing yeah, the kinds yeah. of things. I haven't even taken my shirt off. Yet, so, you know. Oh, I'm hoping that comes later. But <laughs> uh, for those listeners who couldn't hear that, he said he was going to take his shirt off for us. Yeah, it's a proof that <laughs> I have is. at least a, a two pack. But no, yeah, it's 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 weird. I, I I had some clues as I look back on it. Like I had was I, I never had heartburn my whole life and in the past couple of months beforehand I was starting to get heartburn and I was starting to get I had a really um uh, I had you know I had some stress I guess from work that's I think an element and I had mm-hmm. a, a really bad case a couple of days before this happened of being just very short of breath mm-hmm. like out of nowhere mm-hmm. yeah. um in hindsight I realized I should have gone to the doctor the second that happened mm-hmm. I, I made a point to make a make an appointment the next week because I was fine after, it lasted for about 10-15 minutes and then I was fine um, but that was probably, they, they said that was probably, they explained it at some point better than I will now, but it was sort of like a false heart attack. Like they, it was like, there was like blockage, but it probably yeah. didn't quite. Cause when I went to the hospital, I was at like 99% blockage, mm. um, when I actually went in. 
so now you've made Joe even more terrified because of the right. heartburn thing. But um, that I mean, that's not just that's not like a textbook symptom. I think the shortness of breath sounds yeah sort of more terrifying. Um, and you're I not. Just meant I was like feeling a little off, I guess, as in that month run up a little bit. But yeah, it wasn't anything that you could be like, oh, obviously you're gonna have a heart attack. Yeah. yeah. So no. well, where are you at um, now then? What's uh, what's your doctor telling you now? Um, now I'm doing pretty good. I had my, uh, stress test on last week and he said I did better than expected. Uh, you know, when I was in the hospital, everybody kept saying to me and, and, and also since when I've gotten out, I've talked to other people who've had heart attacks. They always talk about like cardiac rehab is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't even started yet because first I had to get an appointment, which took like weeks mm-hmm. to meet some guy at NYU. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, I had to, then he said, wait for the stress test. And then I gave them the results. And then a person called me like four days later, finally, and said, now I'm meeting with a nurse next week who's going to be like a consultant. It's like the third different person consulting. So I'll probably be like in f- totally back to normal by the time I start this cardiac rehab. Yeah. But because um, it's going to be like two more weeks, probably. But yeah, it, hopefully that'll help a little bit. Um, but do you, I am. What's do you that? Feel, sorry. Do you feel back to normal? Is that like what you're saying? You feel I would of- say in the last week, I, I, I'm not back to normal, but I definitely took a positive turn where I have, um, cause like I had a long recovery that probably this was probably uh, the result partially of how long it took for me to get to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I had a little bit to do with it. Like where I, I actually had a second, they went back in the day after my stent to, cause I was in so much pain. They thought maybe there was something else wrong. It wasn't. Yeah. Um, and it just took me several days of just like, it really took me like all week to even get out of the hospital and, and to walk. Um, so it, it was slow going at first when I got home, but I would say like, you know, two weeks ago I started feeling better walking. And then last week I really turned the corner where I can walk. Like I walked four miles the other day, okay. corner of my Apple watch. Yeah. And I, I don't, I could, I mean, I probably could like not, I, I haven't run, but I could take, I could probably do like a slow jog and yeah. for a little bit. I just would get short of breath more than normal. So um, what happened was but, it sounds like from what I've also heard you say is that, um, you, you, your heart was damaged to the point where you have heart failure now and hopefully it will recover, but that's the consequence of a heart attack. You have complications. It's not just a blockage that gets open, right? It's now you're at risk for arrhythmias, which is irregular heartbeats and heart failure where you have volume fluid going in places like your lungs. It shouldn't go, you know? So that's, I guess what your doctors are monitoring now, right? Yeah. I mean, in the hospital, they said that they, there's this thing called like the ejection fracture, right? Ejection like a fraction, number. They, yeah. said, they said like a normal person's like 55% of the amount of blood their, their heart's pumping. And in the hospital, they said I was about around 40, which they said was pretty good considering the heart attack I had. But yeah. doctor in New York said it's 35 and he was rounding up to get there. So yeah, he put me, I'm on this thing called a life vest right now. This is my little doohickey you can see in the FaceTime. But oh it's, a, it's a vest I'm wearing, like, I'm supposed to wear it, like, tw- as much as possible, basically. Um, Are you wearing it right now? Use, I'm wearing it right now, oh. yeah. So it's, uh, this is like the, the walkie-talkie, and uh, it's, um, it's basically like, uh, it's to shock me <laughs> if, I, if I were to have an arrhythmia, like you mentioned, yeah. Yeah. and I guess I would, like, pat, collapse, it would, like, read that and it's an external and, uh defibrillator like it's yes, one of these exactly. defibrillators on the outside of your body like yeah. what you see in airports they're aeds um external defibrillators it's like the clamp thing right like or the, the shocker you mean the <laughs> yeah yeah ch-chunk. sort of yeah yeah um, so it's a little stressful because it, it um my heartbeat apparently like i it, it has like a small uptick so it doesn't have big moves you can see an ekg so the thing often reads like two readings as one 
and then it thinks my heart beats too high and then it, I get like a vibration. So and you're getting shocked all the time? <laughs> well, I don't get shocked, but it vibrates. It's like a warning. It basically, you have to press these two buttons. That could be um, fun. To, yeah, and if you don't press them within a few seconds, it turns to a siren. Oh, wow. um, and the siren gets louder. <laughs> and it, at some point, it tell, it's, I haven't got this far yet, but after about 25 seconds, somebody told me 25 seconds, someone told me 50 seconds. I don't know which one to believe. <laughs> they both work for the company. But they said that at some point, it tells bystanders to stand back. Yeah. <clears throat> and then oh, like it dear. releases gel on my body, and then it shocks me. Wow. Because you're going to explode. Yeah. You're like in Queens and your body's going. Yeah. Wah, wah. This yeah. is like this is like the plot for like Crank 3 or something. This is fantastic. Yeah. I got a question. Like uh, Michael and for the doctors here, how, how do they check for the blockages and, and your overall risk of having another heart attack? What's the screening process and why isn't that done more often prior? So it seems like they're always finding about about the blockages after a heart attack. Why? Because people don't go to their doctors. Well, this is the point of the podcast. But if you go to the, the no, physical, Joe, I've never been tested. For no, no, Joe. Joe that. The thing is, he had a cardiac catheterization, which is when they go, they put dye, they go into your your arteries, they go into your blood vessels, and they get to your heart, and they inject contrast to see how open they are. That's not a totally benign like you know, outpatient thing that people just have done. There's risk to it. It's pretty invasive. It's a thing you don't want to do unless there's a good reason to do it. So Got it's not it. the kind of thing you just have everyone do. Yeah. It's like there what are, Kaplan said, your groin or your wrist. Right. Like these are yeah. like needles in your arteries. So there, it are, is. there are other methods of sort of kind of determining. There's the other tests that cardiologists and primary care doctors can do. At the end of the day, if you are considering or you're worried about your cardiac risk, talk to your doctor about it. A primary care doctor is a great place to start. They'll go over what risk factors you have they can talk to you about checking your cholesterol and etc yeah. there are tests that out there that some doctors pick over others that are non-invasive they all have their their mm. pluses and minuses since neither of us are cardiologists we'll leave right. we'll stay out of that but the first step and the most important thing is to talk to your doctor about what risk you may or may not have You've seen on TV people on treadmills and, sure. like, you know, that's yeah, like an exercise, a stress test is what it's right. called. And there's versions of that. So if you are worried, you know, what um, Michael Kaplan's saying is, you know, if you're having shortness of breath and you don't feel good and you feel off, you know, that that's the first step. You know, it's you're not going to go to a cardiologist and get this coronary angiogram or cardiac catheterization. These are different words for the same thing. Yeah. That's not going to be the first thing. You should not get that. And you can get, again, an echocardiogram, like Kaplan's saying, or an echo stress test. There's all these modalities to look at the heart, but you don't do that in 41-year-olds who are going, you said, right. to CrossFit, you know, a couple times a week and who are lugging around ski boots and a couple right. kids. It's just not part of like the repertoire, you know, of most doctors, you have to come to the doctor with symptoms. You don't, you don't do these tests on everybody. That's the so. bummer. That's a bummer. I mean, if I would have gone after that shortness of breath and they found like, I guess they could have done like a, like what they did like bypass or they were like, they got in. So uh, that works, not, not bypass. What they, what they <laughs> would have done is they, you, they probably would have started with like an x-ray seeing that yeah. you had some backup of fluid around your lungs and wondered where that was from. It probably would have ended up getting you an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound of your heart. From right. there, they may see that it wasn't pumping the way it should, and that probably would have led you to where you got. But, I mean, at the end of the yeah. day, it sounds like, uh, um, knock on wood, sounds, it sounds like things are working out okay. It sounds like you're doing pretty well now. And uh, going to be yeah. back. You sounds like you're already back on your feet. I'm on my feet. I'm doing all right. It's a, Yeah, it's like a whole... 
you know, it's like I spent like so much time in the hospital. It was like I was proud of myself when I was wearing like pants again because I'm in a gown for like a week. <laughs> so and, and little P- steps, <laughs> little progress. And then I was excited to like, like go into like a bodega and like order, you know, try to like be like in civilization again. But so then there's a little bit. Yeah, this past week, I feel like real like I can return to really yeah return to society and feel like I'm I mean, I have something to talk about. It's great. Everyone wants to talk about this heart attack. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, man, it's, been, uh, it's good for our podcast because we have we were really running out of material. Now we got fresh material. So, so yeah. speaking of which, speaking of which, tell us about the podcast, where we can find it, and what it's called. It's called Lost in America, um, and it's available at uh, lostinamericapod.com dot uh, com, um, or on iTunes, or uh, on uh, sorry, on Google Play, um, or on SoundCloud, and uh, it's basically my. Uh, um, my co- my co-host Turner Sparks is a comedian um, here in New York, but he started. He was in China for about twelve plus years, and he ran a Mr. Softy truck, among other things. Hmm. Uh, the, 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 I brought that to wow. brought that to China. Uh, he was very successful, a little too successful, so the Chinese government sort of took over his business for him. Um, <laughs> so he was so he's moved. He, he got married uh, and he moved back to America. And the podcast began because he had missed like almost like 13 years of American culture and was sort of clueless about, I don't know, how to live as an adult in America. So I was sort of like his guide. Uh, I'm clueless as well about like raising kids. So that's sort of the other story. And we have a lot of guests on who talk about um, we, it, we, have, we have a lot of guests on who've traveled or have lived abroad or done sort of similar type things. Or we have guests on who are sort of experts in an area. Um, I'm excited. We're going to have a guest next week who's an expert in free range parenting. So mm. I want her to teach me how to be a more, a free range parent. Cause I don't want to be a crazy parent, helicopter parent. So we do things like that. And then having this heart attack was, cause what could be more lost in America than, you know, yeah, having a heart, heart attack, attack in, in Vermont mile, like, you know, an hour plus away from a hospital that can even help you and having to yeah, I recover think, from it all. <laughs> I think anyone who tackles American healthcare system is officially lost in America. So thank you yes. so much for your time. But I've, but I've come out kind of pro it. I, everything's worked good, and I haven't even got hit with any crazy bills yet. Knock on wood. Nice. So. <laughs> oh, they're coming. <laughs> the, gonna, bill, come? the bills are coming. Sorry yeah, in what's advance. Gonna be the toll? Everyone asks me because the insurance sends out like one by one, like each thing that happened in the hospital. I get a bit like a. So how what's? But they cover most of it. What's going to be the total bill of what it's cost? What do you think? What's the over under? Oh, that's covered for you, or the actual the actual no, number the actual is probably fifty grand. Yeah. I don't know how much is covered. I don't know. Right? Yeah, I thought think? it was going to be guess. maybe even more, but it's going to be covered, uh, hopefully. Yeah, but I would yeah, guess I 50 grand gross. Covered, yeah. Okay, I was thinking it'd be higher, so we'll yeah, see. I think mm-hmm. it no, might oh, be. you were in the ICU. Yeah, no, totally. $100,000. Yeah, I was in the ICU for like a week. So yeah, I was yeah. No, like 100 grand. 100 grand. <laughs> I, want to get my, I want it to be high because if it's, most of it's covered, I want to feel like I'm getting my money's worth. Yeah, totally. For being an American citizen. Yes, exactly. All right, Kaplan, thank you so much for your time, and I hope you have a speedy recovery. All right, I'll check back in if I have another heart attack. Okay, <laughs> plant-based diet, buddy. Yeah, seriously. Oh, all right. Talk to you later. In the last second. Bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. All antidotes and patient-related details have been changed with respect to date, sex, and certain details so that patient identification is not possible.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.